here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed the worship. And I really felt just a, a presence. Now, God is always present, but uh, sometimes we just need to get aware of it and become aware of it. And, uh, yeah, I just expect that God wants to do stuff today. God wants to touch hearts. He wants to, to refresh. He wants to restore. He wants to redeem. Um, Jesus came to set the, the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and and I want us to not just operate in the message, but also in the power that comes with the message. And I think that's so important. And uh, Father, we just open to that this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> we have a great message. Amen. We got a great message. We got an awesome message. And um, so many things I want to say this morning. Everyone doesn't know it. Have you realized? People don't know God the way God is. People don't know the true nature of God. They don't know the power of God. They don't know the love of God. They don't know even that God is love. And uh, for a lot of them, you can't even blame them. I was uh, going through some Afrikaans translations in my preparation this week. And it's pitiful. It is pitiful. Like I can see how God had to take me out of that into, let's call it King James, Show me the truth and now he can, he, I, I can venture back because you just, in a lot of those Bible translations, you just don't have a chance of seeing the goodness of God. But that's not an excuse, that's an invitation. Uh, that's something that I get excited about and it shows me there's many things to do. So, John 16 from verse 12, John 16 from verse 12 says, Jesus, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus, just before the cross, speaks to the disciples and he says, I've got many things I still want to tell you. And I'm like, I get excited. Jesus, what are you going to tell us? And he's like, you can't bear them now. I'm like, oh. You see, there's a few of these encounters in the Bible where there's this, this glimpse of more and then not ready. I think the Mount of Transfiguration is similar. Jesus, God wanted to do something there. He wanted to show something there. And, and then Peter shows up and he says, let's make a, a tabernacle. Let's make three tabernacles and let's worship Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And then God says, okay, no, you're not ready for this. Because you see, Jesus did come not to destroy, but to fulfill. And he came to fulfill what? The law. But he also came to fulfill the prophets. We know that he, in grace life, it's entrenched in us that he came to fulfill the law. But he says, Matthew 5, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And then he goes on, he says, because these are the very writings that speak about me. And then right after the cross, John 21, Jesus goes on and then he, he ministers. So we should not look so much at the ministry of Jesus before the cross. You can learn a lot from God because he even says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Jesus ministers after the resurrection and he ministers actually from the Old Testament scriptures. And the road to Emmaus, he ministers to these two people. Cleopas is one of them. And he ministers in, in and from the Old Testament, from Moses, he, he shows them, the word says, the things concerning himself. How beautiful. 
Now, I don't know what gives, what gives you a goosebump. Maybe the cold aircon gives you a goosebump, okay? It's difficult when it's supposed to make cold and it's, it's cold outside, so it just doesn't work out. But uh, if you're too cold, just raise your hand and Lucas will react, okay? <laughs> I'm not a fair judge because I'm, I'm getting 10,000 steps just before the service. So, where was I? Jesus ministers and he ministers unto them and he ministers himself. But he ministers from the Old Testament scriptures. Then they have a meal together. And in that, while they have this meal together, there's a revelation and they see Jesus for who he is and then he disappears. Now think about that for a day in your life. I mean, I... That must have been special. But you also would kick yourself like, why did we not realize? Now most probably Jesus didn't look like Jesus looked before the cross because otherwise they would have realized because Jesus was well known. I mean, there were thousands of people there. Now, he didn't have a big Instagram page, but he was well known in the area. People knew where he was going to speak and there were thousands coming literally. But then these, these two guys, or a guy and a girl, we're not sure, says, didn't our hearts burn? And it wasn't because of too much soy sauce or something. It says, didn't our hearts burn within us? When he revealed himself in the scripture. Not when we saw him face to face. But when he revealed himself to us in the scripture. They had the face to face encounter. But their hearts burned. Because of the revelation in the scripture. Paul. Similar vein. Paul goes on this road. And Paul is just fighting for God. Like so many religious folk. Like they want to do the right thing. They're going to they're fight for God. Like God can't fight for himself obviously. But. I'm going to fight for God. I'm going to make it happen. And then he has an encounter face to face with Jesus, the risen Christ, on the road to Damascus. But Paul, his, he, he very seldom refers to that encounter. He refers to it a few times. He says, I saw him and I was late. I was born out of, like an apostle born out of time. But he encounters Christ in the scriptures. And he writes letter upon letter upon letter based on quoting from the Old Testament. Now Jesus, back to John 16, says there's many more things I want to tell you, but you're not ready for it. What does that mean? The following question then I ask is when are we ready for it? Because I don't know about you, but I want more. I want all that Jesus came. So if Jesus says there's much more, I want the much more, but I want to then, if Jesus says you're not ready, then I want to get ready. Okay, John 16 is all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And it starts off before that, and then he speaks about the Holy Spirit. He says, better if I come, there's a whole thing about righteousness and judgment, which is an awesome teaching. The Holy Spirit is not the angel on your one ear and the devil, the three-pronged fork on your other ear, and like they're having this fight on what you're going to do. That's not it at all. But there's a righteousness, and he says the righteousness, the Holy Spirit will convict you of three things. I have to share it. Of peace, of righteousness, and judgment. Is that true? Let's see. You see, sometimes I just need my hard copy Bible because I know exactly where it is. Uh, let me just get that. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus said, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Why does the Holy Spirit come? Because Jesus sends him. That's 
It's something I've never seen before. It wasn't just the next thing. It was Jesus went up into heaven and then he poured out. He sent the Holy Spirit to us. Verse 8, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Yes, Peter, sin. The Holy Spirit is going to show you your sins. He's going to convict the world of sin. Okay, just hold your horses. John 3 comes before John 16, doesn't it? And John 3 says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whosoever believe, nothing to do with works, will what? Not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.17 goes on and it says, For Jesus did not come to judge the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now the other Sunday night, I'm driving to the evening service, and on one uh, specific robot in our town, our beautiful town of Stellenbosch, there's people with placards. And they've got these placards and they're dressed in nice church attire. And uh, um, you need Jesus. Okay, for what? Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's true, but why would I want to react to that? What about God is love? What about God loves you? What about God's not forgotten about you? What about the Holy Spirit has been poured out so that He can reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me? It's nothing to do with your works. It's all about belief. What about of the Holy Spirit's poured out of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more? That means the fact that Jesus is no longer walking on the earth means that righteousness is freely available. Where is Jesus? He's not here. Well, His Spirit is in us, but He's in heaven. Oh yeah, what does that mean? That means there's righteousness freely available. That's what the Holy Spirit convicts you of. Of judgment. Yeah, Peter, sin. This is judgment. Read your Bible. <laughs> Verse 11 says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who doesn't want that God? Who doesn't want that Holy Spirit? Continuously reminding you that all you need to do is believe. What do you get? You get righteousness. What about judgment? That's not for you. It's for the prince of this world. It's for the one who's killing, stealing and destroying. And I don't know about you, but I'm just... I'm just sick and tired of everything currently. I just had enough of chutzdins, of politics, of bad news. I mean, this week I, was, I, wasn't too, I wasn't the happiest chappy, I promise you. And then I realized we are on the brink of jumping into so much more. And we should just keep on keeping on. We should just push through. We should just, like David... He built up himself. He, con he, he, like, he built up himself in the Lord. And yes, we can wait for someone and we can wait for no lockdown and no masks and we can wait for all this noise to, to go. Or we can just get up and get on with it. We can have like Colossians 3, it says, be thinking about things above, not on things on the earth. And like always, I preach to myself first. That's my privilege. Because <laughs> I also get tired and I also get fed up and had enough and, and why this and noch. Yesterday someone phoned me uh, with a, um, what's it, the negative positive COVID result. And I said, you, you guys must stop giving me so much gray hairs now. Because the enemy is just continuously wanting to, to sort of keep us occupied, to distract us, to get us busy with things of this world where we are stepping into the things of above. And I believe as a church we are great in sowing the word. Mark 4, the seed is the word. We keep on sowing, sowing, sowing. 
but we're not going to see the increase unless we add the watering. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul speaks about divisions in church and he says, Hey guys, some of you are of Apollos and some of you are of Paul and some of you are of this gang and you follow this guy or this church or this online or this YouTube channel in our day. He says, who is these guys? Who's Paul? Like he's speaking about himself. I didn't die for you. Who's Apollos? He didn't die for you. But then he goes on and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. And what I've realized is we're good at planting. We get up getting our noses in the Word. I, I think we are. But how much are we watering? How much are we allowing the Holy Spirit to revive us, to stir us up? How much are we praying in tongues? How much are we operating not just in truth but in power? Because there's a world out there and you can win the argument but you're not necessarily going to win the soul. Unless it comes with power. Unless it comes with, hey man, let's just deal with whatever. Let's just deal with, let's raise the dead. And I'm not following signs. I'm just saying, we sang a song now, Resurrection Power. Living on the inside. And I want to let it out. I think we have so much in us. Isaiah 12 says, from within you, there's wells of, of salvation on the inside of you. So let's draw from those wells and let's pour out and let's water so that God can bring increase. And that increases in our own lives. And I mean, us as a, we, where is the church? I think we're doing great. I really believe we're doing great. It's 18 months on in lockdown and here we are. Huh? We're doing great. We're growing strong. We, we're growing deep roots and we're pulling into the wells of living water. And I don't know about you, but I hear so many testimonies of people inviting people, people speaking to people, church members sharing this good news with others. This week I had the privilege to, to share the gospel with my barber. What an encounter that was. But you have to be purposeful. It doesn't happen by itself. And it means maybe paying a little bit more or driving a little bit further, but there's a, there's a nudge of relationship there, so I went and I stepped into that. And I'm going to go back there and I'm going to continue. Because there's a world out there confused like never before. There's young children not knowing the God we know. Not wanting anything to do with the God they know. Which is not a true reflection of our Father. I remember being in high school. And I was a fearful one. So I understood the system. So I never sat at the back of the bus. Even though I wanted to. I was in front and I was like playing it safe and, 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 and I mean I, it's a performance mindset like none other. There's lots I can say about that now but that's not, let's not rant on that side. But what if we invite young people into a supernatural life? What if we see young people prophesying at school? What if we see on a rugby field there's an injury, one of the guys just pray and they raise up. No more pain, no more sickness. What if we have a youth full of hope? But guess what? The opportunity is there. And God's not waiting for anyone but for us. And I really just stirred up so much this morning to, to say, hey, let's pour out what is on the inside of us. Let's live this life. Let's stop playing church. And I'm not saying we're playing church, but let's participate. Let's come here with such an expectation that something amazing is going to happen, that people even will just start walking in 
by just like what they hear and how they feel and what we look like when we exit here. Who they encounter in the week. Let's be drenched with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not talking about soaking nights or maybe there's a place for that, but I just want to live a refreshed life. Jesus says in Matthew 11, all who are burnt out. And I realize burnt out really is dry. If you look at burnt out, it's dry to the bone. And I had a vision two weeks ago in, in our prayer meeting. Tuesdays at 2, we have a prayer meeting online, and it's open for anyone, so it's really awesome. Uh, we have amazing things happen there. Um, and if you want to, to be part of that, just let us know. But I just had this vision of a burnt, dry, parched land and how the green sprouts are just starting to come through. Now, what we often do is we want the fruit so we don't get excited about the green sprouts. But there's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. And that's the season I believe we're in. We're, we're, we're going to embark on so much more. So this morning, that was just the intro and that wasn't my notes. <laughs> so sorry, Nadia. This morning, I want to continue just how to look at overcoming. And I mean, I'm so far from overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety because I just want to now, let's deal with it and let's live life. Let's live the life that we're called. And I want to just title this talk this morning, How to Grow Stronger. How to Grow Stronger. And Psalm 23 from verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I will always have everything I need. He gives me green pastures to lie in. He leads me by calm pools of water. He restores my strength. He leads me on the right paths to show that He is good. I love that translation. To show that He is good. Now you might say, I don't have everything I need. No, if the Lord is your shepherd, you don't need what you don't have. Because the word is true and the word says you will have everything you need. But what about that car? Maybe you don't need it just yet. What about that house? Maybe you don't need it just yet. So if you believe the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything you need. Now, I was thinking about green grass and this vision of the sprouting green from the, the, the burnt land or the burnt field. And I realized there's a few things you need for a green pasture. There's three things you need. You need good soil, good seed, and good watering. That's what Jesus wants to, to give us. Good soil, that's the condition of our heart. Good seed is good word, that's the message of truth. But there's a watering. You can have amazing seed, but without any watering systems, then like, it's not going to work, it's not going to go well. Psalm 1 verse 3 speaks about, So they grow strong like a tree planted by a stream, a tree that produces fruit when it should and has leaves that never fall. Everything they do is successful. Where is that tree? By the water. So it's a seed that sprouted that became a tree, but that seed that sprouted became a tree by the water. So we shouldn't neglect the waters of the world. Now it's the Spirit, obviously, it's also Ephesians 5 speaks about the washing of the water of the Word. So we can get that washing, that refreshing. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're really tired and you take a shower, you feel better. You feel woken up. Like That is what the Word, after you encounter the Word, it should be like that. Now I don't know about you, there's many people who don't want to open the Bible, they don't want to put their noses in the Bible because they're not going to feel refreshed when they close it. They're going to feel condemned, they're going to feel guilty, they're going to feel burned. And that's not the God we serve. That's not the truth of the word. We can be like green grass and calm pools of water. Yes, we can enjoy that, but 
let's move on and let's become that. Let's not just find places of calmness, but let's become places of calmness, oasises of hope in a dry world. When people encounter us, it must be as if they've re refre they leave refreshed. They leave full of hope, full of the Holy Spirit, encountering God. And there's so many opportunities because it's really, really easy because we have such a great message. If I have to tell you about the best hamburger in Stellenbosch, would that be difficult? No. Why? Because it's good news. It's awesome. But what we have is so much better. It's eternal. But what would they think? What if it's awkward? What? Is that, is that more important than their eternity? No, it's harsh. That's, <laughs> but that's true. If we love them, we will share with them. But it comes from not being burned out ourselves. Matthew thirteen twenty three says, For at what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and heals. In one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. What was sown on good soil. So there's a seed and there's a soil. And then there's the watering. The seed, the soil, and the watering. We need to hear, but we also need to understand. I think that's really important. We need to hear and we need to understand. He who re receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. So how do we go about understanding the word? We have people explain to us. We have gatherings. We, we meet together. We discuss things. We do ministry school. We, like, we, we want to understand. We don't want to just hear it. We need to hear and understand before we grow. What do we need to hear? The Word. What do we need to understand? The Word. Okay? Might sound really simple. But that's how we get to those green sprouts in a burnt land. Isaiah 61, 11. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up. Now, this should set you free. Look at this beautifully. It says, For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. Who causes the growth? The garden. The soil. So what's our responsibility? Receive the seed. Receive the watering. And growth will happen. But we often focus on making growth happen. But it's not your job to see yourself grow. Do you get this? It should set you free. Growth is not your responsibility. Neither is sprouting. But sowing is. Your responsibility to change is not to change. It's to receive the word and to understand it. And then change will come. It's so easy we miss it. <laughs> it's too easy. We want to we wanna do it. Because we want to say, I fasted, I prayed, I got up so early, I did this, I did that. No, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about receiving that word. For the earth brings forth its sprout. The garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, not your responsibility. How can I say that? 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul planted, Apollos watered. What is watering? So Holy Spirit, but it's also understanding. 
It is explaining, it is bringing forth the word, it is breaking open that, that fresh bread. It's bringing the Holy Spirit into the situation. And then what happens? God brings increase. If you want to change and move and move mountains, receive. Receive what? Seed and water. Be refreshed. Like you can move a mountain and fall over dead right after. It's not, it's not going to be a great testimony, I mean. You raise someone from the dead and then you fall over dead next to them because it was so much your effort. No. Let God be, be the one who gets the glory. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. This is beautiful. From the NIV. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. Wow. There's a seed sowing, but then there's a washing of the waters of the word. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as rain drops on tender herb and as showers on the grass. Maybe you, you feel tender. Maybe you feel burned. Maybe you feel tired. Maybe you feel just dry. And I want to share with you this morning that God's word wants to refresh you. It wants to drench you. It wants to, to be poured out. The Holy Spirit such a beautiful word. It was poured out like water, like a jug of water poured out for us. So what we need is not another fitness regime or a new diet. What we need is time with God. What we need is the word, but we need that refreshing. Let my teaching drop as the rain. I remember after we had the drought and that first rains, do you remember the smell? I went and I stood outside and I just thanked God and I was, I love that you just get drenched in the rain and you smell and you, you can almost hear the grass or the ground at that stage start to worship almost as it receives that dry parched land receives and then you get the videos of where the water starts to flow and you get the Tierwaterskloof videos where the water comes and it arrives and you can see all of nature is just celebrating this amazing life-giving water. And that's really what I believe God wants to pour out on us this morning. It's, it's not just to, to know more Scripture. No, it's to encounter the one who is hidden in the Scripture. It's to have that face-to-face -face encounter with Christ. And I trust when you're going to leave here this morning, you're going to feel, you're going to feel like you just had a spiritual shower. Like you were rolling in the dew. That, you were, that tender, fresh rain has come upon you. Isaiah 40, and we've looked at this for quite a bit now from verse 1. Your God says to you, comfort, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in Jerusalem and proclaim that their warfare is over. What is our message? Your warfare is over. If you stand on a sideboard, have a message that says God is no longer angry. Have a board that says Jesus took away the sins of the world. Have a board that says God is love. Have a board that says Jesus is alive, not because He needed to be, because you needed Him to be. <laughs> no more curse. Galatians 3.13 He who hung on a tree became a curse. Why? So that we cannot do, yes, so that the curse is dealt with. But you guess what? Verse 14 says, thereby, the Holy Spirit is now poured out for each and every one of us. We should move on from just not living in the curse, and we should start living in the fullness of the Spirit, the power of God.
And it's an invitation. You don't have to. You can still get your head and dry and parched and burnt. You're going to get probably there a bit earlier than what God planned for you. I want to live where Paul is. Like, I'm so soaked in the Holy Spirit. I decide when I die. If you read Paul's letters, he decides. It says he was stoned. They left because he was probably dead or very close to it. And he got up. He says, I'm not done yet. I know it's been a tough 18 months, but it hasn't been that tough. So let's get up. Let's do it. Let's live a life. I mean, I'm going to say it now, but the best chance we have on a building is a lot of the traditional churches. Because they're not meeting. So who's going to stand up? Who's going to love on God's people? Who's going to speak the truth with me? Who's going to share love? Who's going to stop speaking about church and start talking about family? We don't live for a Sunday. We live every day. We live together. I love it. I get phone calls. Hey, so-and-so is sick. We're on our way there. Just wanted to let you know. What What a body to be a part of. So-and-so is having trouble. We're on our way. We just wanted to let you know. That that makes my job a lot easier. (laughs) But it makes us so much more effective. Because it's the body ministering to each other. The Word is the seed. It's not just the Bible. It's finding the seed. The Bible is as if it's that, let's use an apple. The Bible is the apple. But we need to find the seed in the apple. The apple doesn't get people born again. The seed does. What is the seed? What is the seed? 1 Peter 1.23 Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. The Passion says, For though the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again, The eternal and living word, it's Jesus. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. When we share Christ, we revive. I mean, I'm too young to have lived in a revival. But I'm living in a grace revolution, which I believe is going to lead to a lasting revival. But revival doesn't have an address. has you and me. We are the address of revival. Verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You Make sure you get the right translation here. Some of them say it's just the word, or it's the gospel, it's the, the evangelio, the, the good news. The gospel is the seed that brings new life, the new life that lasts forever. So that, what must we do now to see the fruitfulness that we need to grow and desire? You need to sow. There's no need I sit with my barber and I share about the Bible. But when I share Christ, He has an opportunity to receive, to grow, and to be born again and live forever. James 5, 7, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. That's our other negative thing. We get hasty. We get hasty. I people not when, when we, we led Durbanville Church um, before it was Tigerberg. There's a family. These guys were probably in their 60s. They got radically born again, turned on to grace. It was amazing. These guys, it was like hopping around. And all of a sudden, things just started going pear-shaped. Like weird things happened to him. And he would tell me every week, sort of, and then he started expecting it. And I was like, buddy, this is persecution. Like, you're on the right track. This is, this is the world stamp of approval. <laughs> you now have a target on your back. But if we not have endurance, we're going to give up. And they gave up. And they left. They said, no, no, this is weird. This, since we joined this church, then all these things started to happen. I'm not prophesying that. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. And last night when I spoke to someone and uh, I said, you must stop giving me so much gray hair. He said, yeah, but it's really persecution. I said, I, and, and we just had this chat and I just realized that we, as a church body, we have so much truth, so much power. There's so, and I'm not, I'm not, what about another church? Like, what about them? I'm like what Jesus said to Peter. What's it to you? People ask me about other churches. I'm like, what's it to me? I, don't, I just do where I'm. I just run my race. I just want to stay in my lane. I just want to lead this family. But I know as a family what we've got. I know how much we've got. I know the power we've got, the truth we've got. I know the... the and then... And this is a nice grace bubble. Who enjoys this grace bubble with me? <laughs> I enjoy this grace bubble. But sometimes we just need to peep out of our grace bubble and go and find people in darkness and translate them into, into light with us. And I'm not saying get influenced, I'm saying go be an influence. Let's go find people. What did Jesus say to Peter? I'll make you a fisher of men. The most important job in the world. It's not the President of the United States. It's to be a fisher of men. And you can do it wherever. Any company. Any school. Any place. But sometimes we just need to wait for the land to do its job. To yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Let my teaching fall like rain. My words descend like dew. Like showers on grass. Like abundant rain on tender plants. Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Now we know the second part. The world will not return void. The word will not return void. No, it won't. But how does the word arrive? How is it sent out? It's sent out like rain and like snow that come down from heaven. Making it, making it bear and sprout. And make it bring forth and bud. We don't need to do the bringing forth and the budding and the growing. We just need to abide. We abide in the vine and the vine draws up from the roots and the roots draws up water and nourishment and then who bears the fruit? We do, the branches. But we're not the ones making the, the fruit. We're just bearing the fruit. And it's the fruit of what? The Spirit. So it's the fruit of the Spirit that we need to live in. So will my word be. So will my word be. Ask ourselves this morning, the words we share, verse 11 there, so will my word be. 
What is it when we share the gospel? Is it like dew? Is it like rain? Is it like soft snow? Is it tender? Is it comforting? Or is it turn or burn? So shall my word be. How? Like rain, like snow. How will it be? It will be watering. It will cause bearing and sprouting and fruit. So will my word be. He provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I remember when I had spoken to Shane and he said, we started the, the talks of us taking over Grace Life Stellenbosch leadership. And I mean, I love to preach. But at that stage, I was like, how do you preach every Sunday? How do you have something fresh, something new every week? Bernard, you would know. <laughs> and God gave me this, verse 10. It says, He gives seed to the sower. As long as you keep on sowing, there's going to be seed. I know a lot of people teach finances in that regard. I believe the seed primarily speaks about the Word. The Word says, what if they put you in front of traditional leaders and, and, and they bring you in courts and, and like, do not worry what you will say. Just get yourself into the, into the, the, the opportunity. That's our job. Get ourselves into those opportunities. Open ears, open hearts. Just get yourself in there because it says the Holy Spirit will give you words. And what's it going to be? The Holy Spirit will show you things to come, but the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, will reveal Christ. He will speak of me. So when we're going to rely on ourselves, we can do a great teaching on practically growing the church, or setting your life right, or dealing with temptation, or overcoming addiction. I can, from, from, the, from the Word, I can give you practical advice. Or I can trust the Holy Spirit and the Christ in you, the hope of glory, is going to sprout in your life. And people are going to ask you, how did you do it? Like, <laughs> Man, it's Jesus. Let me tell you. Ach, I've heard about Jesus. No. Let me tell you who He really is. Let me share with you the risen Christ. Not the, child, not the children's Bible Jesus. No, no, no. The book of Revelation Jesus. The one who expounded the Scriptures. The one that makes your heart burn. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it. No matter what. No matter what. But I prayed for so-and-so and they didn't heal. So what? Pray for the next person. I trusted God. It didn't work out. So what? What is your alternative? Do you have a better plan than God? <laughs> Maybe we're just in the waiting. Maybe we're in the growing. Maybe there's not, it's not time for the harvest yet. And it's not God causing it. It's just we didn't plant it long ago. Proclaim the word of God. Stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion. I love the Passion Translation there. What is the occasion? doesn't matter. Just rise to it. We were born for such a time as this. Do you think you're here by accident? Do you think God is caught off guards with where the world is at? Or do you think He planned for me and you to be here today to get stirred up and to go out and to change how do you change the world? You can't really. I know we want to. You can't really. It's too big. But you can change the world for one person by loving them. By sharing Jesus with them. 
It's that old story of the guy with the, the, um, the siestara. And he goes on the beach and he picks one and like there's millions out on the, on the sand and they're all going to die. He says, but you, what are you doing? You're like, well, for this one I'm making a difference. And for this one. And for this one. Ben Conway, one of our overseers in London, his wife has a, a mantra. She lives by this. And uh, Lucas and others can, can confirm. One a day. She doesn't go to bed unless she's seen one person come to Christ every single day. And it's really actually not that difficult. You've got 24 hours. But we, like myself, we think, like, sure. What about two a day? Three a day? Let's start with the one. <laughs> Let's grow there. Let's, because as you step out, you learn. It's, I mean, you can, do, you can do Formula One on an Xbox, and you can win. You can beat Lewis Hamilton. But get into that car and beat Lewis Hamilton. We can talk church and talk Christianity, and, but let's live it. Let's get into the car and let's see it in action. Let's see God's power flood the earth. What an invitation. What an opportunity. Stand on the word no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. I love that. It's not just giving dry seed. You need to add the water with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Let's rise to the occasion. John 12, 24. Most assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That's the sowing but then that's speaking of Jesus. It's speaking about the death of Christ. And now we're in the bearing much grain part. Mark 4, 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. You want to live kingdom? It's easy. Sowing and watering. What am I going to do tomorrow? Sow and water. And the day after, sow and water. And the day after, sow and water. He says even you can go, you can go to sleep. It's okay. <laughs> you don't need to pray all night. It's doing constantly, one a day. Those spiritual disciplines and but let's not make it dry and dead. Let's rise up to the occasion. Let's stand on the word. It says, for the earth yields crops by itself. You're going to grow so much if you're going to do this. And people are going to say, wow, how did you do it? And it's like, I don't know. It actually happened by itself. <laughs> I just received seed and I watered. Received and I watered. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. So what we see now is, is partial. But let's keep on sowing. And I'm concluding with 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave 
the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. I mean, there's many people who've spoken in, in my life. There's many people who share. Alicia shared the gospel with me 2007 for the first time. Shane has watered those seeds continuously. Every Saturday morning, he keeps on watering those seeds and stirring us up to, to step out and to do more. Spending time in the Word is receiving seed and water and seed and water. I didn't plan to stand here today. I didn't plan to lead a church. I didn't plan to, to do any of that. But God gave the increase. I remember when my brother had to decide what he's going to study and he, he, he considered theology and I actually laughed at him. I was like, why would you do that? I had my navy blue BMW 3 Series on, on the wall next to my desk because I was, I was gonna, I'm going to make it happen. And then God made it happen. <laughs> and it's so much more because what a small dream that is. Finances is the least use of our faith. I want to stay there. It's important, but let's move on. When the word speaks about sowing and watering, it's not speaking about that. It's about sowing the seed of Christ. The good news message. What is that? Hey, God loves you so much that Jesus died for you. But guess what? He's not dead. He's not out to get you. He got you. But before He got you, He got all your sins and He destroyed those sins. He washed them away. So that you can never ever again feel condemned. Never ever again have anything against you because God has forgiven you through the blood of Jesus. And guess what? That was the cross, but He's not there anymore. He's not in the grave anymore. He's risen because God raised Christ from the dead. And He's now seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of authority. And guess what? If you say yes now to Jesus, you wake up there with Him in an instant. Who wants that? I want that. <laughs> I've got that. Problem is, we don't remember often how it was not to have that. There's a world out there dying, drying out, burnt out on religion. If they're even so lucky. A lot of them have just absconded it and are, they don't bother anymore. They're not even asking the questions anymore. When people are still questioning and searching, we can point them. But it's when they stop searching that we need to, again, revive by the watering. And one of the ways is the Holy Spirit prophesying into their lives. Prophetic evangelism. I've shared this before, but one morning in Kailicha, I spoke to the guy and I said to him, I couldn't get through to him. I couldn't get through to him. And I just saw his collar and it was yellow and I said, you're a Kaiser Chief supporter. All the lights went on and the ears were open. Something as carnal as the soccer team you support. But it wasn't carnal because the Spirit revealed it to me. Because God was pursuing him. And that morning, he got delivered of a demon. He got restored. He got born again. And he ran off. And the words he spoke to me will never, ever leave my heart. And his words were, I can see you now. He wasn't blind. He wasn't walking around with a, crane, a, a cane. But he jumped up and down and he hugged everyone in our team as he went. And the words he spoke was, I can see you now, I can see you now, I can see you now. I didn't minister on, on blindness. 
Isaiah 61, Jesus said, I came to what? To restore sight to those who are blind. Wasn't just speaking about making mud and rubbing it on people's eyes, no. Was speaking about spiritual blindness. There's religious blindness when we turn to Moses and the law, there's a veil over our eyes, but there's a spiritual blindness when people live for carnality. And Jesus came to broke us out of both of those. Fulfilling the law, say, hey, let's live an adventure. Let's live an adventure. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.